Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis. I'm here with Miranda Marquette as usual. And our guest today is Sandy Smith. Sandy, how are you doing? I am so happy to be with you guys and to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. How are you doing, Miranda? I'm doing well. It's my birthday. So happy birthday to me. I get to talk to you guys. It is. Happy birthday. What are you doing today? I'm talking to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) If this is the highlight of your day, I am so sorry. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. So no, we're going to, we're going to do a little Christmas shopping. Uh, My son and I went and saw a show last night. We came to Salt Lake. You know, and we're going to go to the melting pot later today for dinner. Nice. Oh, that sounds like fun. That'd be so great. <laughs> so you're heading out into the, you're heading out into the Christmas crazy with the, the shoppers. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. It shouldn't be too bad yet. Shouldn't be too bad yet. I don't know here in New York. Pretty brutal. Yeah. You just got to stay around those certain area of the city. What is that around 57th or something where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> Well, Times Square is definitely going to be the worst of it, I'm sure. Horrible, yes. All right, so we're talking today about delayed parenthood and parenting. Sandy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, we'll start there. Okay, so I write at the blog called Yes, I Am Cheap, and usually that gets a few chuckles out of people because nobody ever wants to admit that they're cheap, but I was cheap for a reason. I um, started writing my blog when I was over $120,000 in debt, mostly from school and from a business that I had and liabilities that I had. And I kind of wanted to get out of debt and I was wanted to be responsible, right? I couldn't file bankruptcy with most of my debt because they were either taxes or student loans. And I just wanted to kind of show other people what I was doing to get out of debt. And along the way, I've learned a lot of things and I've learned how to help other people kind of employ some, maybe some non-traditional ideas for helping themselves be responsible for their debt and for getting out of debt a little bit faster than the average bear. So that's what I do over at Yes, I Am Cheap. And I'm happy to join you guys today to talk about a subject that's really near and dear to my heart because as a person in debt, this was something that I had to think about for a very, very, very long time and being responsible. So I'm really, really happy to talk about this subject today. How how do you relate to parenting? Is it something that you've put off intentionally because of your financial situation or is there something else? What's, what's the story? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so I actually wrote an article a number of years ago called, um, don't have kids if you can't afford them, which is a little bit controversial. Remember that article. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People still comment on it today. They're like really offended, but I wanted to be responsible. As a responsible adult, I had to at some point take a look and say, would love to have kids, but can I really, as a responsible person, have a kid right now? And the answer for many years was no. Like, we can't really afford to have kids. You've got to pay rent. You've got to 
you know, pay all of your utilities. Childcare is expensive. Can somebody afford to stay home? No, somebody couldn't afford to stay home. Can we afford to pay for the daycare? In New York, it's like $1,500 to $1,700 a month. That's a mortgage in many parts of the country. Can you legitimately afford to pay for that? If not, okay, then it's okay. Are you going to be able to get government assistance? Because that's what really ends up happening, right? And it's no, you make too much for government assistance, but you don't make enough to really be able to afford to really have a kid. So what are you going to do? Are you going to drop a kid on your parents? No, they're not responsible for your kid either. You know, and it, it, all these things kind of ran into my mind. And that resulted for us in really a 10 year delay in having kids. That's a long time, but I'm lucky in that I've been with my husband for a number of years. We've only been married for a little over, over a year, but that also delayed marriage for me as well, because I was like, I don't want to straddle somebody else with my debt either. It's not his fault. He's not responsible for this. A lot of like important questions and decisions had to happen before we could really think about having kids and being responsible adults. I still don't have a kid, by the way. <laughs> so do you want one? No. Well, the thing is, we do. have one, Sandy. Oh, my gosh. Busy, Sandy. <laughs> Let's get this done. Every other day. That's the question that we get now, right? Are you having, when are you having kids? Why don't you guys have kids? Why are, you know, all these guys. So because of this 10-year delay, now that we're in this part of our ages where where we do have issues getting pregnant, right? Because now we've delayed parenthood for 10 years. We've delayed from our 20s into our 30s, and now you have more issues, right? So for us, we're experiencing fertility problems. So that's another aspect that we have to kind of think about. And then you get this constant crazy question every other day of when are you having kids? Why don't you guys kids? When are you having kids? And it's, what do you say to those people? At some point, I want to punch people in the nose, like, shut up, stop asking me what's going on in my uterus. But I've learned to say, I don't know, we'll see what happens. Maybe if we're lucky, you know, you try to put those little nice answers when I'm really thinking, why are you asking me this question? This is so personal. Why would I need to discuss this with you? I'm not going to go through all this with you. P.S. You don't seem to like your own kids anyway. Why are you worried about mine? <laughs> Yeah, just wait till you have one, Sandy, and then they'll start asking you, when are you going to have another one? <laughs> a little brother or sister. I got that for like five years after I had my son. And finally, I just started saying, no, I'm really not interested in having more. One is enough. And the looks people give you when you're like, when you make, when you make this, you know, when you stand there and you say, I don't actually want to have more children or I don't want kids. Right. Like, God forbid. When you, when you make that, statement you should see the looks people give you like if you're oh, like, sure. oh we'll see but if like seriously sometimes when somebody asks you just say oh you know i don't need them i'm fine just wait to see, what they, to see how they look at you i'm sure they look but, at you like with horror on their faces like you're only gonna have one oh my god isn't he so lonely right yeah. so our oh, intention yeah. is to potentially if we're lucky enough to have one because Honestly, fertility treatments are flipping expensive. It is not cheap, right? So if we're lucky enough to have one, God bless it, that's going to be it. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be another one. So now that's an interesting consideration because you were talking about earlier, you know, delaying children because it was expensive and you wanted to be responsible. Uh, but now you've got these expensive fertility treatments that you have to worry about. So is that is that kind of some of the payoffs, some of the things that you have to think about, like, how do you decide on that trade-off? Because I know, exactly. so, yeah, so when we had our son, we had him using Medicaid, <laughs> so, because 
because we were young and poor. So, but, you know, as it is now, he's fairly inexpensive, you know, I mean, pay for activities and everything, but. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you decide to like, make that trade-off? Yeah. How do you decide for, to make that trade-off? For us, it was really about, could we really afford those first three to five to six years? Most of the time, the answer was no. We really couldn't afford those first couple of years when, you know, you've got to actually take care of the kid a little bit more than than when they're twelve, right? And we couldn't. We, in 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 all honesty and good conscience, we know that we couldn't. I probably work a twelve-hour day. My husband works crazy schedules. He's often gone before I even wake up. Who's going to be here with this kid? Who's going to look after this kid? Who's going to pay for daycare that runs from? you know, 7.30 in the morning to 7 o'clock at night when I get off and I could pick a kid up? How much time am I going to be able to spend with, you know, all those things. And the upfront cost for the first couple of years, I I believe, would have far outweighed what their fertility costs are going to probably end up costing us. Because some of that is covered by, thankfully, insurance, <laughs> you know, so, but but then there's the emotional cost as well, right? Because then it's every month you're going through the cycle of, are we pregnant? Are we not pregnant? Are we going to get pregnant? Are we not going to get pregnant? Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Are we ever going to have kids? Are we not going to have kids? And then on top of it, you're dealing with people asking, when are you guys going to have kids? Why don't you have kids? Do you guys not want kids? You know, when is this kid coming? You know, your, your husband really wants a kid. You should really, like, it's my fault, right? You should really consider really having kids because I think your husband really wants a kid. That's great. Thank you guys for your advice. And, you know, so yeah, for us weighing the cost of the upfront versus fertility, it's probably actually going to end up costing us less for fertility than those first six years of um, childcare would have cost us considering again, New York city prices, $1,700 a month, do the math. It's an average fertility treatment is probably going to cost you about $20,000. It's, going to end up being cheaper than we would have spent in the first couple of years with this kid. So I have a number of questions. First of all, (laughs) how do you know when you can afford to have kids for the first time? How is that something that you measure? How, how, How do you know you're ready? That's such a great question. For me, it boils down to childcare. Can I pay for childcare or can we balance who's working versus not working for the first couple of critical years, right? I I like math and the math for me needs to work. If I can't legitimately pay for childcare or if one of us can't be home for an extended period of time, or if we don't have secure childcare in place where the numbers kind of worked, that was the deciding factor for us. We knew that we could not pay for childcare and we couldn't qualify for any kind of assistance because we make too much money. But again, we live in an expensive city. We live in New York City, right? And so it's okay, if you're not working, what does this look like? And can we can we get our bills to the lowest point possible where we can survive on one salary? Or if if this if you don't work for this much time and then maybe we swap off and I don't work for this much time, you know, is this gonna work? It's been a bit of a juggling act for us to try to get to that point but legitimately at some point you know the heart kind of wants what it wants you either you're gonna want to have kids or you don't And if you're at that point where it's just burning where you want to have kids you're gonna find a way to make it work one way or another for my husband he's at that point right where he's like we're gonna find a way one way or another to make this work and so it's been some creative accounting where it's you know, slashing everything that we can possibly slash. And for us, it means 
you know, maybe we don't travel. Maybe we're not saving as much for our retirement because we're putting it someplace else. Considering moving someplace um, cheaper um, and kind of balancing those things out to try to get our, our goals of having a family aligned to what our finances can really afford. Yeah, I liked what you said about once you've made the decision, you can find ways to make it work. I think if, from parents that I've spoken to, I don't have any children myself, and I am 40 and am thinking that perhaps I should have started earlier because when I was younger, I was thinking, well, I'm not ready. My finances aren't in the right spot, so I'm not in any rush. But I, I think people my age who still don't have children because they've been putting it off, many of them do regret not believing that if they were to make this decision sooner to have children, that they would, like you said, find a way. And you have basically nine months uh, or <laughs> close to it once you know that you're having children to try to find a way to make that work. Now, that won't for work for everybody, yeah. but I feel that if we just keep waiting and waiting till we feel that we're ready, we might miss, we might miss our opportunity. Oh, I just say the bottom line is you're actually never ready for children. <laughs> <laughs> you can prepare all you want and then they show up and emotionally you're never ready. And then financially something always happens to be like, wait a sec, this is a little bit different than I thought it would be. And my, this budget that I put for diapers is inadequate. It's woefully <laughs> inadequate. I'm sorry, no matter how much you budget for diapers, it will not be enough. It just won't. <laughs> just, you can't do it adequately. But yeah, I like what you said about that too, about you know making it work. And yeah, so as far as um, actually the cost of having our son, we were on Medicare, uh, Medicaid, sorry, Medicaid, uh, to have him. But then all the other costs we paid for ourselves, we paid for the childcare, we paid for all of, all of that stuff. But we tried to do it, like you said, we were young enough that my um, my then husband, he was still in school, and so mm -hmm. he was able to arrange his school schedule so that we actually only had to have our son watched like a couple of hours a day, like two or three times a week. And we lived in an apartment complex where there was a lady who watched other people's children. And so it was very inexpensive, but we were also in Utah and they don't require a permit if you like have under a certain number of kids, like you don't have to be licensed or anything to watch them. It's, yeah. like, it's like babysitting by somebody who's, you know, in their twenties those circumstances, depending on where you are, are different. I, um, trying to do it in New York City would be com like a completely different ball game because I remember it cost three times as much when we lived in Syracuse, New York. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> our son was like three times as much and we were, we did, we were both in school at that time. We were both working on our, you know, our son was like almost two. We were both working on our master's degrees and we were seriously like, working on our schedules so that we could switch off so that he was only in there like once a week for three hours because it was so expensive. Yeah. It's, it's something to think about. And kind of back to what you were, you were saying, Harlan, my husband's also 40 and he definitely thinks I wish I had been a younger parent, but then he's also think, thinking about everything that we've done in the last number of years as well. Right. And we're still juggling you know, what will happen if we're so lucky as to have um, kids, what would happen? But at the same time, mentally preparing for the very real possibility that we may just end up not having kids at all and not by choice, but by circumstance, 
right? So that's something to also kind of wrap your your mind around. And not everybody is prepared to do that mentally. You just, it's, it's a very emotional subject. It is very tough to deal with. It is hard to confront. But at some point, you kind of have to face it down, whether you're in your 20s, your 30s, or now more people are having kids in their 40s, right? The birth rate above 40 has doubled, right? So you kind of have to balance that out. And as people who are more educated, we kind of kind of do it to ourselves as well, because then you have more educated people delaying kids as well for various reasons. Either we're paying our student loans or we're trying to get a little bit further up the career ladder because we do understand these costs and the implications, but then we find ourselves where I am right now, like thinking maybe maybe we could have made it work like a couple years ago, like three or four years ago. Maybe we could have done it then. And kind of balancing regret with um, reality and what you really, really, really want. So the sad reality is whether you're 20 or whether you're 40, where a lot of us are confronting this issue right now with, can I really afford to do this? And for many people, the answer ends up being no, because their finances are limiting them to kind of delaying what they want and being, what I say is being responsible, whether it's fiscally or just emotionally or just being an adult and just owning up to the fact that you have to be responsible and, you know, delaying that. To do it all over again, would I have started earlier? Probably not. Probably not. I'd probably still be in the same place that I am right now um, because I just know that in New York City, I, and with the circumstances that we're in, we could not have made it work. We could not. We don't have the same resources and um, the same kind of family structure to, to rely on to be able to contribute. And if you do, then you're really, really lucky if you've got a, a cousin or a parent or a friend or even like Miranda, somebody in your building who could watch, you know, your kid where you're not worried about this, what's going to happen to this kid all day as well. And it won't cost you an arm and a leg, then, you know, God bless, you're lucky. But there are a lot of us that aren't, you know, in that situation and don't have those circumstances to be able to say, you know, screw it, let's do it right now. <laughs> let's do it now. And, you know, caution to the wind, let's be damn, we'll figure it out later. Now, if you happen to get pregnant, whether you, you're not planning it or not, you're going to figure it out. <laughs> By the time that kid comes, you'll figure it out. You've got no choice. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and also, the one thing I think that helps um, when you're younger is that there's a bigger chance of you still having family living around who can help with childcare as, as you age, tend to move away, and you lose that resource, at, at least overall in general. So how do you have a conversation with your partner if you're not on the same page on the, in terms of the timing? Oh my gosh, these conversations have been very, worse than people asking us when we're having kids, the conversations my husband and I have had have been extremely difficult because he was the one who was ready five, six, seven, eight years ago. And I was the one that was like, we can't afford this. We're not ready. And it was, it was a major sticking point for us. I don't know that every couple survives that because we definitely had rough patches where I wasn't sure that we were going to survive that conversation because we were so far apart on where we were. But 
at some point you either have to come to meetings a meeting of the minds or you're going to end up parting ways because it is such a major 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 topic it can be a deal breaker and for us it almost was um it's a conversation that i think you you have to have early and often with your partner you know you have it up front and then you continue having these conversations and check in with your partner I didn't know when I was mentally going to be ready. I didn't know when financially we were going to be ready. But I know that I hit a point where I had to balance what I wanted versus what my husband wanted. Like, I know that he really, really wants kids. And I'm like, nah, I'll be, I can be fine without a kid, right? So there was a balance for us and a compromise where I said, okay, this is a person I love. I've decided to spend the rest of my life with. He really wants a family beyond our dog then maybe this is something that I really need to give serious, serious, serious thought to. Um, and he had come around from where we originally were because we were both on the same page with no kids for a very long time. But I think once his friends started having kids and you know their kids were growing and he felt like he had missed something, then that changed and he evolved. And I kind of had to evolve with him. Either I evolved with him or we were going to evolve apart. I think that's kind of interesting and, and a good point that you have to make because one of the things that I've run into now that I'm divorced and, you know, I, I, I'm fairly certain I don't want to get married again, but you never say never, right? <laughs> uh, but one of the things I've run into is people have asked me, oh, if you get married again, would you have more kids? And I, that's, I'm emphatic, no. I am not interested. That is a very emphatic no. And I say, well, what if, what about your husband? Don't you love your future? Like this, this hypothetical husband that doesn't even exist. Don't you love him enough to provide him with children? And it's like, no, actually, no, I will never love anybody that much ever again. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> but I think it's very interesting that they frame it that way. Like somehow if you don't want children, that means you don't love whoever you're with when they're mm -hmm. two separate things. And I think they need to be treated as two separate things, but it is a good point that if you, that you do need to be upfront and you need to have this conversation early on because uh, anybody who decides, you know, and I've, I've gone out with a couple guys who are in their mid thirties to early forties who are like, yeah, I, I don't have kids yet. I want kids. And I'm like, then you need to move on like immediately just move on because, <laughs> because I am not the person that's going to have them with you and you need to move on immediately. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's be very realistic about this here. So Harlan, I'm curious as, so like we're in the process of trying, right? Miranda knows specifically she does not want any more as the one guy with no kids who doesn't have any maybe planned in the future. Like, what are your thoughts? Because I feel like as women, we probably get this question more often than guys do. Let's be honest here, but there's another half to this equation, right? And so mm -hmm. in, in my relationship, my husband's the, the guiding force that we really need to have kids. So as a guy, like what's your perspective? Well, you know, I'm, I don't know that I'm typical, but my life of relationships has been interesting in that I've had long-term relationships, but we haven't, none of those relationships have progressed to the point of marriage or even, even cohabitation, a lot of long distance relationships and long-term relationships that just you know, never got to the point where we were having kids. And now, now it's something that I look back and I realize, well, maybe I could have done 
things differently and sought different relationships that would have gotten me to a different point in my life right now. But it is what it is. So I'm just looking to move forward at this point. And I do want to have children at some point, And I don't know what that point's going to be sooner rather than later. And balancing that between all of the other things that I do in my life has been difficult. And I'm really, you know, I'm having some discussions with my girlfriend and, you know, we're, we're just going to have to see where that goes. So people ask, when are you going to have kids? As the guy, what do you say? Because as a woman, I feel like the responsibility is just so oh, heavy totally on us. Fault, man. It's totally, like, yeah, it's totally the woman, like all the time. And, and just before you answer that, just by the way, it's my personal belief. And actually my ex-husband said this, it came from him. He said, every man, every man should spend at least six months as the primary caregiver. Because, you know, because he was talking about, like, I mean, there are so many men out there like, oh, yeah, I want kids. But then they're, you know, <laughs> like socially, like yeah. our gender stereotypes, socially speaking, you know, we put it all on the woman to, like, take care of the kids. So the men are like, oh, yeah, kids are fun. I'm going to come home and we're going to play baseball. And it's going to be super fun. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, woman's over here all day taking care of them all day long. And so, you know, my ex was like, yeah men should spend at least six months as a primary caregiver, especially before they decide that they need to have another one. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, sorry. I, I derailed us there. Go on, Harlan. Tell us, tell us. <laughs> well, I, to answer Sandy's question, I mean, the I don't get a lot of pressure from people expecting me to have children, especially now that I'm 40, and hmm, there are probably some people who have given up. Uh, but my mother, you know, she will ask me, so, you know, when am I going to be a grandmother? And, you know, I deflect mostly. That's really <laughs> how I deal with that. Is that the right thing to do, though? Because I, I think I feel like I'm getting to the point where I want to say to people, how's that any business of yours? Like, really? I, I get to this point because <laughs> I just heard it. I, I probably hear it. I kid you not two to three times a week now. And it's enough. At some point, I just want to I feel like I'm going to snap at some point and say, please stop. Like, get out of my uterus like stop <laughs> yeah i can only speak for myself i don't get questions like that very often and ah your uterus <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know i think those who would have a you know they, they would care whether i do or not like family they don't ask because uh, obviously i haven't you know it hasn't gotten them very far in the last <laughs> however many years that they've been querying and in terms of everybody else, I, I don't know. Do 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 other men get asked this question as often as women? I I really don't know. I just know that I don't really get asked this very much, so I don't have to deal with it like you guys. Lucky. I just find it's interesting that in society, like in our society today, and I and it's probably changing. I I, I can see the shift a little bit, but up till now, in our society, a woman's identity is so entwined with childbearing that I even get. I'm not even seeing anybody seriously. I have no prospects for any sort of second marriage or interest in any second marriage. But still, people are asking me this hypothetical question of, if you were married, would you have children with this man? Like, like it's just, it's amazing to me that it's so ingrained in our society and so an idea that having children is what women do. Yeah. That 
even though it's not even something that's on my radar ever again, it's still something I get asked. And it's not even, you know, it's just, it's fascinating to me that this is where we're at in 2016, that this is still a thing. Well, we're going to move past that because you actually brought up a really good um, point that I, I kind of want to touch on. Um, and that it's, is the gender roles, right? Um, and I feel like younger folks are kind of moving past the stereotype a lot more than previously, which I'm really, really excited about. Because if we were to have kids, I'm not going to be the one staying home. It, it would be my husband, for sure. Because just financially, I I just make a lot more than he does. And it just makes sense for him to be the, the primary caregiver, right? But then the other thing is that he wants to be the primary caregiver. He wants to be the person, you know, doing these kinds of things. And even in my um, my regular every day, I do human resources and I help to write policy. And there are more and more co companies that are writing policy for paternity leave, where before it was just like, oh, you have a kid. Oh, that's great. Here's a cigar back to work. <laughs> you know, these guys want time off and they're expecting it and they want to be a part of um, child rearing, which I think is awesome and such a great progression that um, within these relationships, there are more men and reversal of these like traditional, you know, roles that we've kind of assigned um, by society. And I kind of love it. I think it's super great. And um, the men I know that have taken a more active role in the, the child rearing process and been more interested in it have actually felt like been happier, more fulfilled people, which I find interesting because we had, you know, we have this idea that, oh, well, you know, we have feminization of our <laughs> masculine guys and oh my gosh, this is so terrible. But the ones that I've talked to and the ones that I know are actually happier, well, you know, happier people. And they're like, yeah, you know, really honestly, if we could really fully embrace this idea of like being truly equal partners and taking care of this and seeing, you know, looking at us as individuals and saying, okay, like, like you said, you're like, oh, well, I'm making more money. So clearly I will be out there making money. And clearly my husband will be mostly taking care of the children because obviously that's how our individual situation works. And if we could look at that as a society and really do that more, I think more people would be happier and we wouldn't be forced into these ideas, these roles that maybe we're not truly happy with. What do you think as our resident guy, Harlan? Come on, Harlan. Yeah, well, we keep talking about I'm, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's hard for me to jump in. You guys, you know, rule this conversation. But <laughs> I am, you know, I work from home, so you know, a lot of the time there's a, an assumption that that means that I can just parent all day when that isn't the case. Although I am here and. I have no problem of that being, you know, a, a big part of my role in a relationship. But I, I just, I see it as a partnership and we have to find ways to make it work. I, I welcome the opportunity to uh, parent and be a primary caregiver. Uh, but for me, that means, you know, it's, it's still a partnership and we have to set boundaries and make sure that within the relationship, we know that even though I'm at home, I am working pretty often. Uh, and of course, parenting would mean that I would step back from a lot of the responsibilities that I do have outside of the relationship. And, you know, it, it's just an, it would be another thing for me to balance in a way. Uh, but of course, a, you know, an important part of my life, prioritizing that would be would be very important. But again, you know, I, I have no 
I have no reason to stick to traditional gender. You know, I, sh I would welcome the opportunity to be a primary caregiver. You know, we just have to see what the situation is when that happens. And it's one of those things where I, I am not a natural nurturer. My ex is way better at that than I am. And, you know, he was a great primary caregiver for Gavin's, my, our son's first 18 months of life. And he's right now, you know, they get on FaceTime a couple times a week and he helps him with his homework, which is great because I am not a very good nurturer. <laughs> and so I just, I think that it's less about, oh, let's look at our traditional roles and more about let's look at our individual talents and let's look at our individual strengths and kind of play to that. So it's funny you guys say that because um, I pulled up a Pew research study on, on the roles of fathers. The study that they quote is from 2012, and they say that um, most dads say that they spend as much time now with their kids as their dads did with them, but they feel like it's not enough, which is great. You know, they're wanting more time with their kids. And, you know, and we, we know how important it is for dads to be in their kids' lives, but even more so, Fathers are saying they feel more fulfilled as adults when they're parents as well and when they're involved in parenting. So it's a great progression, I think, to embrace that role, if you're going to be a parent anyway, to embrace that role. Because I feel like we hear such negative things about dads and, and you know, the rise of single parenthood, right? And we keep hearing about the dads aren't there. But the fact is that the dads are are involved, you know, in their kids' lives and they want to be involved in the kids' lives. Or if you're like my husband, you you want to be the person with the kid all the time. Because definitely I'm like you, Miranda. I'm not the, I'm definitely not like the 24-hour-a-day nurturer. And we've already agreed that we know that. We know our strengths and our weaknesses. We know that I'm probably going to be the disciplinarian because that's just who I am and that's not who he is. So we've kind of, like you said, played to our strengths, right? And something what you're saying is going back to what we were talking about earlier, because if you, you know, if you are struggling financially, there's a good possibility that in order to work things out, you know, we're having kids, so we got to figure this out. One of the things that you'll do as a family is you'll work more hours to earn more mm -hmm. money. And as you're working more hours, that's less time you're spending with your child or children and less of an impact you can have to support them through the things that they need as they progress through school. You know, success requires parents who are involved in their kids' lives. Um, and it's hard to do that when you're struggling to pay the bills so that you can afford to have children in the first place. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you, you're taking it right back to the study because the, a part of that study says that work family balance is a major challenge for fathers. And 52% um, of working dads say it's very difficult to have some kind of balance between their work and their working so that they can support the, their families and they're working more so that they can support their families. So yeah, it comes back full circle, right? So you still, let's be honest, you still need money to survive. You still have to pay bills. You still have to do everything that you need to do. And when you have a child, you have a greater responsibility as well, right? To provide for this child, to care for the child. The child's going to be educated, stimulated, etc. And that usually takes some kind of money. If I can be political for a second, a lot of rhetoric says that we don't want to care for your kid. You should be responsible for caring for your own kid. So here 
on, on the one and on the other hand, we're saying as well, you should you if you're pregnant, you should be having you know these kids and you know whatever. So it's like okay, you guys gotta have kids, but you've got to be responsible enough to take care of this kid your own. By the way, you shouldn't be having any government assistance, and you still need to spend time with your kid. It's a lot to wrap up and put a bow on it and think it's gonna be neat and tidy for everybody, and it's not. It's not neat and tidy. If if for example, during the first couple of years of a kid's life, you need WIC, which is Women, Infant, and Children Assistance, which is a federal program to provide like milk and cereal and things like that. Then by all means, damn it, apply for the program, get the assistance. But on the other hand, we have, you know, people, political politicians and, and just people in society just saying, if you're going to have kids, you should be paying for everything involved as well. So here's here's the thing. If you are going to be on assistance, move to Utah, because because <laughs> I could tell you just culturally, because kids are such a huge part of the culture and such a huge part of what you're supposed to do. Like that is the one area where they are like nobody like looks down on you for popping out as many kids as you can on government assistance. They'll look down on you on any other government assistance that you have. And once, once you reach a certain point, they expect you to be paying for the kids yourself. But if you are young and you are having two or three kids, nobody's going to, nobody's going to give you crap about your government assistance because it's such a huge part of the culture that like having children is your God given responsibility. And so so yeah, if, if you're, you know, if you want to avoid the stigma, come to Utah as a young, but you got to be young, <laughs> you got to be young and in school, come to Utah, have two or three yeah. kids, <laughs> avoid the well, stigma. Re religious areas and communities have a big, uh, they're, they're, they're so, they're, they're very much into increasing the number of children that families have uh, because it's survival. If, if you're, if your group is concerned about its longevity and its ability to uh, survive over long periods of time, they encourage people to have lots of children because that increases what you have. And we have Judaism in the United States, for example, is is disappearing over the next couple of generations because a lot of the more secular Jews uh, don't really follow the religion very closely and they uh, are you know, part of this educated group who put off having children until later, and they have fewer children. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, this, this, as a result, there's the possibility of Judaism kind of disappearing in the United States over the next couple of generations. And they're not actively recruiting. <laughs> so, so you look at something like Mormonism, like, like in Utah and, and what, um, Miranda's used to, they're encouraging people to have children so that that community continues to grow. But if you're, if you're in an area where there isn't a large um, religious body where, you know, it is encouraged um, to have children and you're pretty secular, like, you know, here in New York and other places across the country, um, Texas, then it's, you know, you get this, this stigma that you're not you know, you're not responsible because you've got to apply for some assistance so that you can feed this this human being, right, that you have to take care of. Whether your circumstances may have changed because 
the other thing that we haven't talked about is how your financial circumstances can change because of having a child, right? So if you're the person like me who might be used to working a 10 to 12 hour day, clearly you're not going to be able to do that if you have another human being that you're responsible for. So what are your your ability to get the correct kind of employment for you know for you to be able to rear a child and what does that look like and what other financial implications can occur because of that right so for example we talk about <clears throat> women earning less than men and part of the reason why women overall end up earning less than men is because we're taking time to have children and then we end up not progressing in our careers at the same speed or rate that men could because we carved this time out to have children or because we slowed down the our progression on our careers so that we can you know be the nurturers and and child you know help raise, raise these children and part of that too is the types of careers women choose right women are more likely to choose the low-paying careers that allow them to have more of that family life balance Mm -hmm. because they are expected to be the caregivers. And so, yeah, so part of the whole, that the gender gap, the gender pay gap, I mean, yes, there are some very real issues that have to do with discrimination, but a big part of that gender pay gap, when you look at the studies, have to do with the kinds of jobs that women take because of their societal roles as caregivers, and also what you were talking about, the whole uh, taking time out of the career, you know, you stop, right? You're, you're on your career path. And then all of a sudden at 26 or 27 or 28, you're having a kid. So you pull out of the career and you're, you're done. You're left behind. And, and trying to get back into that 10 years later is a challenge. Yeah, I thought about that. That was something that I really thought about while we were thinking about kids when I was in my 20s. Um, because I wish you guys could see the wall next to me because there are a lot of framed degrees and certificates on the wall because that's where I spent my time in my 20s. Yeah. I was in school, you know, for a good <laughs> number of years because I had in my mind where it is that I wanted to be, what it is that I wanted to do. So I was in school. I couldn't take time out to to have kids because by the way, then I also have a crap ton of student loans, right? That I have to pay for. I really wanted to get as far as I could in my career before I took that time because I knew what would happen. The implication isn't just for a year or two while you take time out to have a kid. It actually affects you for the rest of your entire career because it, you you've just cut this out this part of time and while everybody's gone ahead you're starting from behind all over again so i wanted to be at a certain point where i could be like okay we're good and then i could say okay let's in all of our finances online and emotionally we're aligned as well and then i could be like okay i'm not going to be so far behind the eight ball where i'm constantly playing playing catch up, or I can only be relegated to lower paying jobs or specific careers because I had to take such, you know, a block of time out for kids, whether it's a year, two years, five years, six years before the kids in kindergarten, and then starting all over again. I was very specific in wanting to be at a certain place before we thought about having kids. So what do you think this means for the future, having, uh, you know, delayed parenthood, lots of the trend is for parents to be older. Uh, are we looking for any effects down the road uh, due to this? Do we think that 
the next generation is going to rebel against this and be more prone to having children earlier or is this a trend that should continue i feel like and we're already seeing the trend happening they're delaying parenthood they're having less kids and when they are having kids they're they're older um and it's even worse for those who are educated because we come out of, of school and we start lives with, you know, twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars student loans, and we're trying to be responsible and paying those off. And we're coming out to jobs that paid lower than maybe they paid before, or um, specific kind of jobs because we're competing for jobs on a global basis now. So people feel the weight of that, and they're already saying. Listen, either I can't afford to have a kid right now, or I'm going to delay when I'm having kids, or maybe I can't have kids, right? So as I mentioned before, there are record people, number of women having kids in their 40s now. And it's because of this. I don't think this is a trend that's going away. It's been trending in this direction for some time. I don't feel like it's going to go away unless we can find a way where you're not starting out life in your 20s with you know, a $30,000 student loan debt. If you can start off on, on footing where you don't feel like you're behind the eight ball, I feel like that's where we'll see this trend kind of reverse. And I think What would it too, take for that to happen? A better economy, more jobs available? Um, are, are any of these things ever coming back that allowed people to have uh, children at, and com comfortably have children at an earlier age? I'll let you take a stab at that, Miranda, before I do, because I'm very like, this is something I confront every day because I, uh, one of the things that I, I work, I work in human resources and I kind of talk around this issue. So um, I'll let you <laughs> answer, Miranda, because I'm pretty passionate about this subject. Yeah, I, I don't know that I have like an answer answer, but I think it's helping what Sandy was talking about a little bit earlier and what we've seen in some of the demographic shifts where more men are interested in being a part of their children's lives. And I think if we can, as a society, make that shift to support men in that role, mm -hmm. as well as, as you know, we, I mean, we expect it of women, but if we can make the shift to support men who want that role and we can make that shift to you know, and we've got a more technological society. We have more job opportunities where we can be a little more flexible. Where, I mean, I, we have, we know people who have real jobs, not like me. I don't have a real job. <laughs> <laughs> we know people who have real jobs who can telecommute, you know, two or three times a week, and that changes things up. Um, you know, they're looking into more flexible schedules where if you have a project based type career, you know, it doesn't matter if you, you come in for 12 hours one day, you know, get a bunch of stuff done so that you could take another, you know, a day off later in the week, you know, a, a little bit more flexibility, being able to take advantage of the technology and the, the way that our economy is moving can make a difference. And then, I, I, and then once again, I think it really goes back to having those policies in place that support men who want to be more active in their children's lives. Yeah, these, these jobs that you're talking about, they're jobs for uh, educated people, people mm -hmm. who are already coming from uh, at least solid financial footing. A lot of the jobs that are on the lower end of the scale that used to be good enough to support a family, but, you know, still require, you know, 100% involvement in the job. A lot of those jobs are, you know, these, these are factory jobs. These are you know, low-skilled worker jobs, a lot of those are disappearing and not coming back. They right. are. 
that's why I, I feel like we're moving towards a society where if you are on the lower socioeconomic platform, you're kind of at a disadvantage for even having or starting your family, right? And that's where you have to be able to rely on some social assistance. And we look down our noses at people who say, hey, I'd love to have a family, but I need some kind of assistance. And then we, you look down your nose at them unless you're like in Utah or you know, in pockets of certain areas across the country. Um, which is not fair and it's not right. I don't think it's moral as well. How do we start to reverse the trend was the question. Um, and I think there are a number of things in place. I'm lucky enough that I, I work in a, an area that's pretty globalized and I have colleagues around the world and in different countries and I see what's working for them and what's not working for us. Um, and it, it takes a huge shift that I don't think that we're ready for in, in the US. I look at places like Switzerland and um, Germany and Austria and those kind of, that area of the world where they do make child rearing a very core part of their, just their values, right? And they've struggled their society around making sure that people aren't so hammered by debt that they can take time to rear their children. In these countries, they get they can get two years off the first couple of years to take care of their kids. What that means is that their education system is a little bit different. So they're not coming out of school owing so much money. You're, there's subsidized education, right? So that you can still have these careers that will put you on a higher paying track and, and you can still have a family and get that time off and balance your life because they're not working 40 hour weeks. Maybe their weeks are 35 hours and they can take this time off and still come back to their jobs two years later. And I think it's interesting that you point out that it's countries like Switzerland, like Germany, like Austria, because these are countries that as Americans, if we're going to look to a European country, oh my gosh, <laughs> these, the ones. Those are the, but those are the ones that we look to, right? As Americans, we admire the German ethic. We admire Switzerland. We admire, we admire that. And so I think it's interesting that you mention these countries as countries that have these truly, I, we like to talk about American family values, but when when you look at the way we operate, we do not put that same emphasis. You know, Germany yeah. has true family values, <laughs> right? I mean, they have, they have a, an interesting uh, hybrid universal health care system that allows people to have affordable health care so that they're not reliant on their jobs to help subsidize that. They have, mm -hmm. like you said, they have, they have, I mean, Germany offers free university now for for people to go to university they there's a whole list of things. they have a great apprenticeship program for those who are not interested in university they've got great apprenticeship programs that you can do this track to help you start earning money and and getting to where you need to be there's a lot of interesting things that they do in countries like austria and germany and switzerland that are actually more family centric than anything that we have here in the u.s despite our vaunted family values Oh, we're there we go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do I need to get off my soapbox now? <laughs> Let no, me climb I'm down here. Poor Harlan's in the middle. <laughs> because I think the two of us are so passionate about this. And I'm, I'm, I'm only so passionate about it because I see it every day. 
and, and I've experienced it myself. I've been in I, this situation that I'm in now was driven by my finances and by the fact that I had been responsible going for going to school, paying for school. You know, I ended up with almost $70,000 student loan debt. It's a lot of money and to, you know, really recover from. But at the other end of the spectrum, I know that there are people who couldn't have afforded to go to school to pay for this. So maybe they were working in the factories. My stepdad was a person who was working in a factory factory closed right it was bought um consolidated closed and here he was in his early 50s with no job prospects because that's what he had done his entire life and he had started when you could work in a factory and buy a house and help to raise two step kids and send them off to school right but we can't do that anymore we don't have that anymore because those kinds of jobs are drying up and when those jobs do exist they are unfortunately not paying living wages where you can raise a family anymore it is not possible and definitely not enough where you could pay to send your kids to school and do all these things so it will take an entire societal shift i don't know that we're ready for that yet we're not there we've fought you know changes to our healthcare system saying it's un-american right and maybe that's part of the problem maybe the american system isn't the best way and we should be emulating what Such other countries are Such doing <laughs> i just i see what my counterparts in other countries are doing and how they can live their lives and they don't need to make so much more money because they don't need to pay for so many things that are covered by their taxes and what their government um, is paying for and they're living better lives and they can't take time out to have their families and not just have their families but be involved integrated members of their families that you're not just this person that you see hey mom bye mom <laughs> you know and you see them on the weekend really where you're spending time with your family that's not what other countries are doing and unfortunately we're moving even further down the path where that's where we're ending up where we don't have time to even spend time with our families when we finally catch up financially where we finally can have a family so any closing thoughts on you know what people can do to get themselves into a great position to have children when they want to have children when they're ready so for me i think the first thing that i tell people is make as much as you can as early as you can <laughs> and get rid of some of the things that you don't need so you know in your early 20s you're thinking about oh my gosh i want to travel the world and i'm going to take this artsy job which doesn't maybe pay as much and i'm going to work for a nonprofit. and then within Three to five years when you're ready to have a family, you're thinking, holy shit, I still have like this massive student loan that I haven't paid off. And I'm making $30,000 a year because it's this awesome nonprofit that does great work, but I can't really afford to pay rent. And I've got three other roommates that I'm paying rent with. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of that shift, like make as much as you can as early as you can and get rid of as much of your debt as soon as you can, like attack it ferociously. And that might mean making sacrifices early on. When you first come out of school, Maybe you do live with mom and dad for a little bit to get rid of what you can as quickly as you can, because that will set you on a path where you don't delay, where you're not in your late thirties and going to 50 million doctors to try to figure out how to have kids um, because you couldn't do that all through your twenties and early thirties because you were still in school, you were paying for your debt, right? You don't want to end up in my position. Even though I said earlier, you know, you will never, you, you, you will never have enough money to like prepare for diapers. But, <laughs> but, but the interesting thing is that I discovered when we had our son so young is that 
he doesn't need a bunch of fancy toys. He doesn't need a bunch of fancy stuff. You know, it, it, I didn't have it when I was a baby. He doesn't need it when he was a baby. And, you know, and, and so there's part of that too. Some of the things that we think we have to have for our children, we don't have to have. You know, maybe, maybe they, you know, maybe they don't start, you know, doing soccer at age three. Maybe you wait until eight. Who knows? But, but they can still have a happy life and make good memories because you're spending time with them. And I will say, um, even though sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Having a child at 22. Holy cow. That's so early. My son will graduate from high school when I am 41 and a half. And that is plenty of time. And a half. Let's not forget the half. <laughs> And that is plenty of time for me to still go have an amazing life. <laughs> so, and, and honestly, even though we had to live pretty, pretty stingy when he was younger, um, since we only had one, uh, and, and now that he's old enough to like appreciate, like going to Disneyland when your kid is five is pointless. They're not going to remember. They're just not. You know, but taking Gavin to San Diego two years ago was great and he loved it and he remembers it and he, he wants to go back and swim in the ocean again. So that's the other thing, you know, wait to take these expensive family vacations until your kids are older and you have more money anyway, and then they'll, they'll appreciate it better. So there, there's some things that you can do. And, you know, he's old enough now that we are having an, a nice time here in Salt Lake and we're able to go and have some little trips and do some fun things. Yeah, on Miranda's point, I just want to point out that also, if I were to have a child in the next year or two, then I would be 60 years old when they are graduating high school. So <laughs> is that enough time to do everything that you want to do? I don't know. But it is it is an interesting way to uh, frame this decision. Mm -hmm. And it's something you probably want to think about as well. Uh, so Sandy, um, aside from your articles on adulting.tv, where can our viewers find you? You can mostly find me on yesiamcheap.com. I'm usually um, finding ways to help you get out of debt and save money. So if you do want to have kids earlier and your finances is a, is a consideration, then maybe some of those articles will help you. And I'm also usually broadcasting live on Periscope um, a few times a week as well, um, helping people either get out of debt or um, make extra money so that you can live the life that you want to live a lot earlier than I'm living mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, viewers, for joining us today at adulting.tv live. Go to our website, find out when our next event is going to be, and uh, subscribe at adulting.tv slash iTunes, and you can find us on YouTube as well. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. It's great to see you, Miranda. Thank you, Sandy. We will hear from you soon. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.